Oh, man. Fitting end to January 2022, I've spent the day completely poisoned. Spent all night and most of today. I'm not done being poisoned. I still feel it, but I've improved enough to function. Honestly, the symptoms are a lot like my second dose of the vac. You know, I got hit with the the needle last year, and it's a lot like my symptoms from that, where I have this entire body ache. Like every joint, every bone, every muscle just aches. It hurts. It's not just sore muscles from working out, which is normal. This is just pain in my joints. It's not normal. Combined with some shivers. Earlier I had the shivers, and those are two symptoms I had from the vac where it was just heavy shivering, a lot of joint muscle pain with no explanation, exhaustion, brain fog. But the difference is just a a stomach disaster. The first part of today was just a stomach disaster. I'll leave it at that. Nobody wants to hear about that stuff. But because of that, I know what it is that caused it. And it's one of those things, too, because I hesitate to call it food poisoning, it always sounds very dramatic. It's funny. I know food poisoning is very serious, but it always sounds very melodramatic when you're like, I think it's food poisoning. I think it's, I, he, dude, he has food poisoning. And then you always hear like food poisoning kills people all the time. So I guess it is dramatic. I guess food poisoning is dramatic when I think about it, but I'm pretty sure I have food poisoning. Like I ate something that made me sick. Doesn't that count? And it, what it was is I, at the discount grocery store the other day, I got the Special K, which if you're not familiar is Kellogg's brand. Kellogg's Special K Keto Bars. Special K Kellogg's Keto Bars. Special KKK Bars. That's what they should be called. Because these things made me sick. I've been having one, like since I got them. It It was one of those things where it was like for a pack of five or six of them, it was two bucks. So you're getting a heck of a deal on these keto bars, and I'm not on the keto diet, but that kind of thing works for me. Yeah, I don't even, and I imagine these are discounted because people are probably no longer on the keto diet. That trend is probably about over. It's probably run its course, so now they're selling boxes of these for two bucks, and I was like, oh, that's a great deal, because here's the thing. Everybody always says to you, like, oh, pro- did you know protein bars are bad for you? Like, somebody who has the worst diet in the world will always tell you what to eat, or what's bad for you. There's always that person who just eats nothing but the worst shit all day. And they see you eating a protein bar. And they're like, you know, that's not actually that good for you. And it's like, yeah, I know. I know this isn't the same thing as eating like a salad with grilled chicken. I know that it's some weird concoction of who knows what ingredients coated in chocolate. I know that. Look at me. Don't you think I know that? And yeah, there are some protein bars that are just injected with sugar. There are some protein... Like the protein bars you see when you go to the gas station. Yeah, those are terrible for you. I tend to eat the protein bars that are at least a little better for you. I have no illusions about it. And I don't need you know, this completely unhealthy person to try to tell me what protein bars are all about. But anyway, the reason I like protein bars is because like after I eat a real meal... I like to have one. It's kind of like a treat. You know, it's a little bit like, since I don't eat any, you know, I I eat very little actual sugar. I don't eat any treats. So protein bars, they're a little bit sweet. 
If they have some of that chocolate coating, it's almost like a treat. My taste has gotten accustomed to not having much sweetness. And when I do actually consume something that's legitimately sweet, it's overwhelming. Like on the rare occasion that I take a sip of Coca-Cola, it's too much. So a protein bar, it's almost like having a cookie after a meal. I get a little extra protein, especially on like workout days. And it's kind of like having a cookie or something. Someone would be like, oh, that's sad. You should just have a cookie. Seems all right to me. It's a little bit savory. It's a little bit sweet. It has some extra protein in it. Seems like a win-win. But anyway, I bought these bars for that reason. Because I'm like, oh, these will be good. Seven grams of protein. That's perfect. I'm not overloading myself with protein after I already eat a meal. They're, they're small little bars. But they did seem kind of cheap and weird. It's Kellogg's brand... You know, I don't trust Kellogg's to make healthy food, health bars. But last night, right before bed, I ate two of them. And they're small, so it didn't seem like a big deal. But when I ate them, I had that thought. I had that premonition where I was like, these are probably those kind of bars you're not supposed to eat more than one of. Because I had bought some fiber fiber bars. Fiber bars! I had bought some fiber bars a while back. And I think they said on the packaging, like, never eat more than two of these at once. And I think the reason was just gas or something. I didn't see anything on this box, but to be honest, I didn't really look. But I ate two of them in a row right before bed. I just wanted something. I was hungry, and I was just like, you know, i got to have something right now. And, yeah, I could feel it all night. I could tell I was poisoned in the middle of the night. I wasn't fully conscious, but I could tell I was poisoned. I knew it was because of those. But I didn't realize how poisoned I was until I woke up and had to deal with my stomach situation, had to deal with this achiness, this feeling like I got the second dose. I feel like I got boosted. You know, I still haven't been boosted. I don't know if I'm going to get boosted. I don't know what my plan is. I forgot about the booster. But I feel like I got boosted last night and I didn't even know it. And so I'm going to start telling people, oh, you you know, here's a way that you can avoid getting the booster. Oh, the booster? You you just got to eat two of the Special K Kellogg's Keto Bars. It's the same thing. You'll feel the same. You're going to feel the same. It's like getting boosted. It's a natural boost. You'll be sick for a day, and then you can go tell people you got boosted. You got the boosted boosted. Special K, but I threw out the rest of the bars today because I know. That's the thing they say about food poisoning is you can tell what it was. And everything else I ate yesterday is what I eat every single day. You know, my diet is very regimented, and every single thing I touched last night and yesterday was just part of my normal routine. So I know it was eating two of these suckers, these Special K Keto Kellogg's Special KKK bars. But it's been a while since I felt this terrible. Like, yeah, I've been complaining about being morose and down and things like that, but just this physically terrible. It's actually been since... I got the second dose of the vac that I felt this terrible, that I've been this debilitated. Like, even when I thought I might have had coronavirus, even when I've been under the weather, I have not felt this bad. And as a result, I've been totally, I haven't functioned. I've spent all night so far feeding my mind with poison, too. You know, body-mind connection. My body's poison, so what does my brain want? Poison. I've been looking at all the poison I can. And you know how I was saying I forgot what it was to have opinions on things? Well, I got them. My opinions came back really quickly. 
I was looking at uh, some more footage. Well, here's something incredible. You know, I mentioned on last night's episode how I'd seen just a clip of the the howling, honking horns going on in Ottawa, the city of honks, and how it was kind of an incredible sound. Like, it almost sounded like this, like, droning, dissonant organ harmonizing in a strange way. And uh, Johnny Tan, friend of the show, friend of mine in Quebec, he checked that out, and he sampled... The sound of it. Here, I'm actually gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna play it. I got the washing machine going on in the background. But Johnny Tan, I hope you don't mind that I play this. But he sampled that and ran it through a sampling keyboard and sent me a video today of him turning into different keys and chords. And it's fucking beautiful, man. I'm just. It's gonna sound terrible because it's coming through my phone. I gotta find the speaker, but. I think it's worth playing. Johnny, hopefully it's okay. Hopefully it's okay that I play this. Hopefully it wasn't a secret video, but it's it's amazing. going might not have been the whole thing there were some good chord changes in there hopefully I captured one or two of them but yeah I mean he sent me that and I was just like this is magic this is just what could I what more could I possibly want out of life than that you know I wake up I I was praising the sound of these droning ominous honks and somebody samples it and turns it into music. And I get to hear it. And it was true to the original, too. That's the thing. It's like he, he added his own little twist, but it stayed true to the original. Like, what I heard in the first place was not lost in that. It didn't lose its essence, which you always have to worry about. Like, people sample things and ruin the original essence of something. That did not lose anything. It actually gained a lot. Amazing. Amazing. But... uh yeah, I was thinking a little more about that today because, I mean, I mean, I support what they're doing. Like, I don't like protests of any kind. I'm not a fan of protests. I'm fine with peaceful protests. I'm fine with protests that don't involve violence. I don't like people blocking roads. Even if I agree, I don't like people blocking roads. I'm sure I would hate to be there. Maybe not, though, based on how much I love the way that sounded. Maybe I would love it. I would just tell the people who are doing, like, the little, who are hitting the horn, like doing the little sporadic honks, I would say, stop doing that. Everybody needs to do the big organ drone. That's good. Because that way it's just this ominous drone over everything with these little subtle harmonic shifts. What I would do, actually, is I would get my buddy Johnny Tan there to... uh, (laughs) I, I would hook that up to just the biggest sound system, like the old Motorhead live equipment. You know, Motorhead was known for having just the loudest sound system the loudest PA, the biggest amps. I would hook that up. I would hook his little sampling keyboard up to the biggest amps in the world. And he's in Canada, too. So I'd just have to drive him over to a different province, I guess. But, you know, one of the reasons I support it, though, you know, is one, because I'm against mandates. 
But I heard this story, and you know, someone can correct me if I'm wrong, but I heard that in Quebec, if you're unvaccinated now, you're only allowed to buy bare necessities at the store, which is all I buy anyway. But still, what I heard, and I saw a news clip of this, this was a news station saying this. I don't trust the news just on its own, but it seemed to be real. I've heard a few people mention this. But if you want to buy anything in a grocery store right now or a pharmacy and you're unvaccinated, an employee has to escort you to make sure that you only go to the food section or the medicine section. You can't go look at tchotchkes. You can't go look at candy, maybe. I don't, I don't know about candy, but insane just insane i mean if that's what's going on there you need truckers blocking everything with their horns going i don't love i don't love protests i'm not a protest fan you should never like protests yeah it's an event yeah it's interesting when it's happening you should never like that it's happening if a protest is happening for the right reasons you should actually hate that it's happening even if you support it you should be like oh you know because it's a necessary evil but based on what's going on there, you know, I, I mentioned before some of the other stuff that was going on in Quebec where it's like you can't leave the house after 10 p.m. just to walk by yourself. You're a baby. You're, you're just a baby. A sick, you're a sick baby who's going to kill people. And then the, you can walk your dog after 10 p.m., then you can't walk your dog, and then they made it so you can again. So it's playing a psychological game with people's heads. When you tell people you can walk your dog after 10, and then you tell them they can't, and then you tell them they can again, they're on shaky ground, which I feel like is a lot of this stuff. It's like, oh, because then people end up thanking you for that. Oh, thank you so much. I was allowed to walk my dog tonight. Oh, thank you. That's the thing. When you take something, when you take a right away from somebody, and then you give it back to them, there's this feeling like they should be indebted to you. And it's like, no, you're just giving me the right that you took away from me. I actually hate you more for it. But while I'm on the subject of Canada, I don't really know what's going on in Canada. I just kind of see some things here and there. But uh, I did see a video of uh, Justin, the guy we call Justin, talking. And you know, years ago, when he first got into office, like all these girls I knew were like, dude, he's so hot. Dude, he's so hot. And that's their right to think he's hot. Of course. But it was weird that like they were attracted to his politics. Because he looks like a young Robin Williams to me. Which maybe women like. You know, I'm not saying that as a diss. I, I would never use Robin Williams to diss somebody's looks. Oh, Robin Williams, the ugliest guy in the world. He would be careful what you say about him. He's the ugliest guy in the world. No, I would never use Robin Williams as like a measuring stick for whether someone's attractive or unattractive i'm just saying justin justin i don't even need to say his last name too many people say his last name you can just say justin and uh, you know brevity's the soul of wit justin very witty i'm being witty when i say that but no with justin who i, I don't even really have an opinion on I, i'm glad he's not my president but a bunch of girls I knew were just like, he's so hot like because he, he's so progressive and that's a very different thing about men and women that i know like, I have a friend who can't stand AOC. AOC. Like, I have a friend who can't stand her, but he's always talking about how hot she is. Doesn't make a difference that he disagrees with her politics, but he's always like, dude, she's so hot. 
Whereas I don't know girls who do that. I know girls will secretly like a guy who's mean to them sometimes. Not always. I'm not saying that's always the case. But I know that's a thing because girls I know have told me that. They've told me that, like, I'm so attracted to this guy because even though he treats me like shit, you know, that is a thing. I'm not saying every girl wants that. Giving a disclaimer here. But still, I'm not saying every girl wants to be treated poorly. But there's a reason why there is an idea out there about that. So it's like I bet there are girls who think Republican guys are attractive and things like that. But as far as how they vocalize it, like when I was hanging out with a lot of liberal girls years ago, yeah, they were always going off about Justin Trudeau. They were always going off about people they agree with. Even if that person wasn't outwardly attractive, it's like they're very, they're sapiosexual. You'll never meet a man who calls himself sapiosexual. I'm just attracted to intelligence. You know, you always meet women who say they're sapiosexual. Which, as I said before, it's a way of telling other people that you're smart. Oh, I'm attracted to intelligence because I'm smart, too. It's very self-serving to say that. I'm sapiosexual. Because as I always talk about, you know, people's greatest fear is to be average intelligence. People are more scared of being average intelligence than they are of being stupid. Which is why people will pretend they're dumber than they are or smarter than they are. But people very rarely pretend they have average intelligence. And when they say, I'm sapiosexual, what they're trying to escape is being of average intelligence. And if you actually have high intelligence, you probably hate other smart people. I bet smart people are never sapiosexual. They're like, why would I ever want to date another smart person? But uh, women, I don't know, there needs to be a term for like being attracted to somebody because you agree with their politics. Because women have that. Women are attracted to men because of their politics, which, hey, it makes sense. Why not? Why would you want to be involved with somebody who you fundamentally disagree with? But I'm just stating that it's a fact, an absolute scientific fact. And so it felt like there was this posturing about Justin years back where I was like, dude, Justin. Justin. But the reason I'm talking about him is because I saw a video of him speaking, and they had not one, but two sign language people. Like, each side of him had a little tiny screen with people doing sign language. And someone pointed this out to me a couple years ago, and so they made me aware of it. I hadn't really thought about it before, but somebody pointed it out where they were like, you notice that there's a lot of posturing with this sign language stuff, and they're doing it more and more. Yeah, I'm cool with the fact that they're letting deaf people get information. I can hear that phantom out there who's like, what do you, so you don't think there should ever be sign language and deaf people should just be kept in the dark about everything? I can hear that phantom right now, but I'm, no, that's not what I'm talking about here. There's this performative aspect. There's this emphasis that's been placed on it. There's this signal that is being done. And when I saw that Justin Trudeau's speech had two of them, maybe they always do this, It was bizarre because they were, I understand the idea that like there's American sign language and there are apparently different forms. I mean, I always kind of assumed it was more universal than that. It seems like it would really uh, make things easier if all deaf people spoke the same language. But I understand that there's a reason why it's called American sign language and, you know, each culture may have its own version. But what was interesting is I was watching them, which was hard to do. Because the thing is, we're, we're, we're in such a fucking blitz of shit, man. It's just a blitz of moving things. Like, I was watching the screen with Justin Trudeau talking, and it's like he was moving and talking, and then down, almost like two angels on each shoulder, like an angel and a devil. That'd be funny if, like, one of the signers, or whatever you call them, like one of the, 
one of the performers, because that's what it is, it's performative. If one of the performers had devil horn and the other one had a halo, it would be funny. But it was almost like that, where it was just so much movement, so much to look at. But I made it a point to kind of like watch them both, and they seemed to be doing the same thing. Like one of them was a little slower, so you could tell who was better at it. Maybe it was a competition. Maybe I was watching a competition between these signers, and I didn't even know. But what was interesting is they seemed to be making almost all of the same gestures. So I couldn't quite figure out why they were even both there. But, you know, a couple years ago, like when this was first pointed out to me, it was around the time that this guy, he looked like Mr. Clean, and he did this very flamboyant signing. And people were like, dude, I fucking love that guy, dude. And there were a few other examples of that. And then it came out, too, that this woman who was signing, maybe for a politician or something, it came out that she was just making it up. This actually happened, where it came out that this woman who was doing sign language was literally just doing gibberish with her hands, which is perfect. The fact that, like, nobody, like, deaf people had to, like, come forward and be like, you know, she's not doing it. You know, she's not saying anything. It's as if, like, a politician was up on stage and just was like, blah, 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 and everyone acted like it was normal. And you had to go, hey, you know, he's not actually saying anything. That's probably what it was like for these poor deaf people. They probably had to come forward and be like, you know, that lady up there is actually not saying anything. She's literally just doing weird shit with her hands. But I felt like that perfectly encapsulated this whole issue. But what it made me think of, like when I saw that there were two signers there, I don't mean to make a bigger deal out of this than it is, but what it made me think of is like, where does it end? Because if it was for different languages, that's one thing, but they seem to be doing pretty much the same things. Like one person had more of a delay to what they were doing, but I noticed they were both doing pretty much the same hand signals the entire time. Like if those are different languages, they're mostly the same. It seemed like they were almost entirely the same. I couldn't really notice uh, the delay made me think, huh, maybe that was different. Who knew that I would sit like being completely poisoned by special KKK bars, food poisoned, and who knew that I would be sitting there watching these competing sign language performers and wondering like how they were different. It's the fucking world we live in, man. When I'm poisoned, I can swear more. That's my rule. If I'm poisoned, I'm allowed to poison. I'm allowed to speak poison language. Um, but uh, what it made me think of, though, was the fat mannequin issue. The, the, the example that I always use, you know, I, I, went, I talked about it recently, but if you're not familiar, like when I went to Target and I saw that like ton, like almost all the mannequins were fat. And I thought, like, oh, yeah, because nobody can stop this. Nobody can be the first person to stop clapping. Like, in those target meetings that take place in the back room, you can't be the first one to say, hey, I think we have enough fat mannequins. I think we have enough fat mannequins. Otherwise, you become the villain. It's like, who's to say that we have enough fat mannequins? Oh, what, do you hate fat people? Oh, you already hate deaf people, and you don't want them to understand what Justin's saying. And you hate fat people, too, because you don't think they should have... An entire store of mannequins, huh? You know, people are afraid of that. People are afraid of being the first one to stop clapping. They're also being, they're also afraid of being the first person to protest, even if it's rational. They're they're afraid to say, hey, you know, I I noticed that 75% of the mannequins on the floor at Target are fat now. Do you think that's enough? 
It's like, what do you mean? You know, it's kind of like that, like with the sign language, like why, why stick to just two? People speak a lot of different languages. Canada is a very diverse population. There are a lot of immigrants. I know in Quebec, I mean, it's practically a European city. There's people who speak Italian, Italian. I'm sure there's people who speak Spanish. I'm sure Canada, you know, isn't without its Spanish speakers. I know that certain parts of Canada are both French, Canadian, and just regular Canadian, but can't help but feel like maybe more languages need to be represented. So why not just have most of the screen be people signing in different languages? Do you want to be the first person who says, hey, I think we have enough languages being signed. But I don't, the truth is I don't even know how many different sign languages there are. It just see, and, and the reality is, too, these two people weren't even doing anything different. So why am I even thinking that? Just have a bunch of people doing the same thing. Have it look like the intro to a Brady Bunch. Like nine panels with people doing sign language. Don't even have Justin talking. Don't even have the speaker on the screen. Just have nine panels of people doing sign language. Can't be the first person to stop clapping. Can't be the first person to say, I think we have enough sign language on the screen. What do you mean? Are you sick? Are you sick? You hate, you hate deaf people, huh? But uh, in other news, I had a thought crossed my mind today. Years ago, I read Wheel of Time, not the entire 14-book series, but I read, I read the first Wheel of Time book. It really enjoyed it. It wasn't great. Like at the time, I was kind of excited by it, and I was like, I want to read the whole series. I had just done a read-through of Lord of the Rings, and I was just kind of like, yeah, I want, I want, to, stick into, I want to stay in that fantasy mindset. Wheel of Time's a big series. I had owned it way back when. I had owned the first Wheel of Time book like probably 25 years ago, and I never read it all the way through. And I was like, yeah, I should really try reading that again. I think I'm in the headspace for fiction. And so I read it, and I was like, yeah, you know, it's kind of derivative. It's, it's not the best story I've ever read. But I was like, it's, it's good, though. That first book is really fun to read. You really want to read each chapter. Like, you're excited to read the next chapter, which is always the sign that you're reading the right book. And so I read the second one. It was a little bit of a chore. And then the books get longer and longer. Not only is it a 14-book series with also, like, prequels and sequels, and it's probably, like, 16 books, 17 books total. But uh, I was like, I'll, I'm going to try to read all 14 books, even if it takes me five years. So I would go around, like at the used bookstore, I would buy, you know, if I saw one, I would buy it that I didn't have. But after, like, by the time I was on the third book, I was like, this is just becoming a chore. And I, I was forgetting everything. You know, when you're reading a book and you can't even remember what happened in the last chapter, that's what was starting to happen. And then I think I ended up finishing the fourth book. I'm sure I, I ended up reading the first four books, which was long. I mean, one of the reasons why Lord of the Rings is so good is because you want more, and there's a little bit more. They publish, you know, the Silmarillion is good, really good. I really enjoyed the Silmarillion. You know, and there's some of those un, unpublished stories that his son published later. I've read, I've read a little bit of that stuff. But the, what makes Lord of the Rings so great, though, is it's very, it just ends, and it ends well. It's not like Lord of the Rings would be much different if it was 14 books that get longer and longer. And so by the time I was on the fifth wheel of time book, I was just like, you know, I can't do this. 
Because the thing about Robert Jordan is he's a good writer and everything. He's a great writer. Why not just call him a great writer? But a lot of his writing goes into that territory of like, and she was thinking this because of this, because so-and-so was thinking this. Like, it gets into every single thought and too many dream sequences. As I've said before, I hate dream sequences. I'm already reading a dream, you fool. You're a great writer, but a fool. I'm already reading a dream. That's what a book is. This book is already a dream to me. I don't need to read an entire chapter about a dream the character has that's going to have no impact on the story beyond some, like, minor premonition. Or you could just put that in a paragraph. I'm not saying that books shouldn't have dreams. I'm just saying if you're going to have a dream sequence, have two paragraphs about it in a chapter about other things. Oh, last night, Rand, which is the character's name, Rand, he had a dream that he saw the bad guy, and the bad guy's eyes turned into flame. And Rand tried to stab him, and then the the bad guy's face turned into Rand. He saw himself. Then he woke up. That's all it needs to say. You don't need to spend an entire long chapter deep detailing every thought he had in that dream. So when I stopped reading Wheel of Time, it was honestly for that reason. I was reading a chapter and it was talking about one of the sorceress women and it was just going into like every single thought that each character in this meeting, this witch meeting, was having at that time. Like rather than just like implying what they're thinking, he was like, there was like a paragraph devoted to what each person was thinking at every single moment. And I'm like, we don't need to know this. And so I just closed it and I never picked up those books ever again. But I know they came out with a show. And I mean, you can guess what I think about. Uh, I mean, I, I've never watched it. But you can guess what some of my thoughts are. I mean, obviously they did the It's a Small World cast. They turned the casting into It's a Small World. I talk enough about that. You so you can just kind of get a feeling for what they're doing. But I, tonight I was like I was kind of curious because I'd heard bad things about it. I heard that fans of the book didn't like it. I'm sure there's some out there who liked it, but I heard fans of the book didn't like it. And so I, I looked it up, and the first review that popped up, I was like, I'm going to read this. And the guy was reviewing it, and and he was like talking about what he didn't like about it. And he was like, there were other things I didn't like about it, but I won't go into those here. And this is one of the most popular reviews you can find. Like this comes up first in Google, if you're looking up Wheel of Time, the show. And so it's not like this guy is some ultra subversive personality, but I I was kind of hoping he would say like, what are the unmentionable things? What are the unmentionable aspects? And he didn't mention casting once. He did not mention casting decisions once. And I was like, I bet that's one of the things he didn't like. But you can't say it. You can't criticize the it's a small world casting decision. Even though fantasy is largely a European setting. Like it's not Europe, but it's informed by European mythology. There's a reason why the fantasy genre has developed the way it has. But I thought, you know, any fan of the book is going to find it a little bit jarring that they made such a blatant, they had such a blatant ulterior motive. And I said I wouldn't go into that, but I just have to comment that the thing is, I didn't even know that they did that. When I found out they were doing a show, I had already lost interest in the book. So I was just like, I'm not going to watch that. They're trying to capitalize on Game of Thrones, which it turns out if you Google the Wheel of Time show, it's just Game of Thrones comparisons. 
Like I saw a review by a woman who was like, "It's like Game of Thrones. It's, it's it's like Game of Thrones, but better because there's no rape." I'm like, "Well, Game of Thrones was kind of rape was just kind of there. I mean, it was kind of part of the the brutality of it." It's like saying it's like Game of Thrones, but better because nobody gets their eyes cut out. It's like Game of Thrones, but better, except Reek doesn't get castrated and turned into a shell of a man. Like if you want to talk about, you know, removing the brutality from Game of Thrones, I mean, you're going to be here all day. There's rape, there's castration, there's excruciating deaths. Oh, it's like Game of Thrones, except the big giant doesn't squeeze a guy's head until it explodes. Uh, but anyway, what was so funny to me, though, is I didn't see any criticisms of the casting decisions. Kind of like, you know, you know what I'm going to say, which is like the Anne Boleyn movie where the girl reviewing it just she she criticized the entire show or movie and then had to say, but the casting, the decision to cast her as Anne Boleyn was a great decision. She's the most regal Anne Boleyn I've ever seen because you can't criticize that. You can't criticize these obvious and expected casting decisions because even though i didn't pay any attention to wheel of time when it came out the show i could have told you that they did that it's completely predictable you just know it's going to happen and that's what makes it suck i mean i was talking to my friend the other night about when the spawn movie came out see i just i i'm poisoned i gotta talk about this stuff but when the spawn movie came out when i was a kid i was a fan of the the comic book spawn and they changed one of the, the main characters. There was a character called Chapel, And he was the most badass character in Spawn. I was obsessed with Chapel. He was this big, burly black dude with a white skull painted on his face. He was terrifying. The way they drew him was terrifying. And he had been Spawn's, like, when, when Spawn was a man and had been a government assassin, this guy was his partner, and he killed that guy. He killed Al Simmons who became Spawn. So he was this kind of like former friend, former associate antagonist who just kind of came and went in the Spawn story. But when they made the Spawn movie, they changed him into a white woman. And this guy was a, an important character. And, you know, Spawn was pretty revolutionary too because Todd McFarlane made the main characters black. You know, Spawn himself was a black man. His best friend was a black guy. His wife was black. His kid was black. Or his, his wife's new kid, whatever it was. His former, the for, his, his former associate government assassin, Chapel, was black. There were a lot of main characters who were black. The main characters were black people. But it didn't feel forced. Even though it was kind of revolutionary at the time, Todd McFarlane did it very naturally. And I think that's why people liked Spawn, because it was just like, oh, yeah, he made an interesting decision. This isn't just a, like a little white kid like Peter Parker. This isn't Bruce Wayne. It's about black people. But it just it didn't feel forced. He didn't it wasn't over the top. But when they made the movie, it, you know, the movie probably sucks. You know, I think I tried to rewatch it years ago and I was like, oh, yeah, this is really bad. But as a kid, it was disappointing because it's like Chapel was a black character in the comic. And they turned him into a white woman, which is what society's trying to do. Society's trying to change black women into white women. No, but they, and I think it was for copyright reasons, because the thing was, the Chapel character from Spawn was originally from the comic Youngblood. 
And so Todd McFarlane borrowed that character for Spawn, and then, like, all these things go. Like, there ended up being some kind of dispute between him and the Youngblood creator. The Youngblood creator left Image Comics. And so he didn't... I, I think the story was that he didn't let Todd McFarlane use the Chapel character in the movie. And so instead, they replaced Chapel with a white woman named Priest. You get it? Chapel? Priest? But it sucked. You were like, who the fuck is she? There was nothing interesting about her... She was a lot like Famke Jansen's character in Goldeneye, where she's just like this, uh, this, you know, this this kind of sociopathic female assassin. But you didn't care about her. You're like, this is this sucks. Chapel, because the thing was too is Chapel was such a cool character. He was a bad guy, but there was something compelling about him. And Spawn's relationship relationship to him was very complicated. So. You know, it's sort of the opposite of what I'm talking about here, where it's like the story was built around the characters being a certain way. And even though it was influenced by copyright, they still made a movie where that character was fundamentally changed. And that's kind of the inverse of what we're seeing now. You know, it's kind of the inverse of of the it's a small world casting trend now. But uh, I always talk about that. It's just funny, though, how it's like I didn't even know. I didn't even ever see who the cast was in Wheel of Time. And I looked it up and I was like, oh, sure enough, that's what they did. And people hate it. But you can't say that that's bad. You can't have a nuanced opinion on why these heavy handed casting decisions take something away, especially when you. Oh, boy. I mean, something's hopefully dry. But, you know, when you take, when you change a character who you came to know a certain way, especially, because that's happening more and more. It's not just that they're making new stories with a diverse cast, which is fine. You know, if it's a good story, it's a good story. The bigger issue is when you change people, because we know why they're changing them. And it's insulting to everybody. It insults everybody just a little bit. But the best thing you can do is be a non-participant. You know, we're living in a time where, like, Canada is making you have a babysitter to make sure you don't buy a toy when you go to the grocery store. You know, we live in this hyper-aware... You know, it's it's a weird thing, because we're all hyper-aware, but we're lacking actual awareness. We pay attention to everything... But we don't pay attention to what we're actually doing. Like I think about hearing about people like going through somebody's social media posts or going through their friends list. It was like a while back there was this controversy over Chris Pratt who I never gave a shit about. I don't like Chris Pratt. I don't like him. No, I never even gave a shit about him one way or the other. But it came out that he was like a closet Republican because people went through his social media profile and like looked at who he was following and who was following him. And they realized, that, oh, he follows Tucker Carlson and Ben Shapiro and so and so. And they were like, I hate him. I hate him. And it's like, yeah, that's information that's available to you. And if you care about that, you're allowed to care about that. But that moment when you're going through his profile, like that moment when you're looking at somebody's friends list, to not be aware of what you're doing and how low you are, how truly low you're being. 
to not have that moment where you go, oh, this isn't what a good person should do. This isn't what I should be doing. To not catch yourself, to not have the discipline to say, hey, you know what? It doesn't matter what Chris Pratt thinks. If I feel like he supports things I don't agree with, I don't have to support him anymore. I don't have to see his movies. Turns out you shouldn't see any movies. Don't see any. That solves the whole problem. Don't watch any shows. Don't watch any movies. You'll never have to worry about what an actor believes ever again. You'll never have to have any kind of dilemma about an actor getting me too'd and whether or not to watch their movies. You'll never have to care ever again. Just don't watch them. You won't miss them either. But uh, that moment like of catching yourself. Or at least saying to yourself, oh, what I'm doing is poisoning myself. You know, because I do things that I'm not proud of. Even just ranting about some of the things I rant about. I'm like, yeah, I don't need to talk about that again. But I guess I justify it to myself by being like, yeah, I'm poisoned. I was physically poisoned today. I was boosted today. As far as I'm, I'm just going to start telling people I was boosted. I had all the symptoms. I had all of the, the symptoms of being boosted. Shaky, cold, my bones hurt, brain fog, debilitated. Oh, I got the booster yesterday. Really? Yeah, just eat two special KKK bars. It's a good way to sound insane. Eat a Kellogg's Keto Special K bar. K bar. But anyway, you, you know, at the very least, the least you can do for yourself is when you're participating in nonsense, at least tell yourself, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm poisoned, I'm infected. I've just got to try not to spread this too much to anybody else. I've got to try not to force that special K bar down anybody else's throat. Two of them. Let me tell you, two of them will do the trick. It's science as far as I'm concerned. It's a scientific fact that if you eat two of those, I had two left, I threw them out. I lost 80 cents. I threw them out because I thought, you know, there's two of them there. If I eat two of those again, I might go through this all over again. Because that's the thing. When I woke up, even though I knew that those poisoned me, it crossed my mind where I was like, maybe I'll save them. Maybe I'll have just one later. But now, like, the idea of it makes me sick. Just the idea of eating those. I'm like, and they tasted wrong anyway. Like you ate those and you didn't feel like you were eating something you should be eating. But anyhow, you know, we're ultra aware. We know everything that's going on. We know everything that everybody's doing. But we don't stop and have this moment of self-awareness, this self-reflection to be like, should I be doing this? Should I be thinking this? Should I be letting myself get sucked into this? But it seems inevitable. I mean, just today, like, I made a decision today where I was like, I'm going to stare the poison right in the face and I'm going to sip it. My body's poisoned. I might as well poison my mind, too, and at least experience some kind of harmony, some kind of poisonous harmony. But I made sure to sip it. But even just sipping the poison a little bit takes you over. All you need is a taste of the poison before you realize, oh, I have opinions again. I have incendiary commentary to offer. The poison is back, and all it takes is a taste.
Children can run free. 